Now, I want you to see this very quickly. Turn to the book of 2 Timothy in chapter 2. 2 Timothy in chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And look what he has here in uh, verse 1. And Paul writing to a young man in the things of the Lord. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The grace is the gospel. But he said, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The reason we like the college situation because it's a daily thing. And we teach them the things they need to know so that they are able to teach somebody else. And then they can teach somebody else. You see, the reason we wanted to take those times, and I spent four years along with a few other people, and we spent some time teaching Jesse some things about the Bible. Do you know he can now preach? And he preaches good. He does a great job. It didn't happen overnight. It's because somebody believed that it's worth doing. What if all of us in the college decided it isn't worth teaching anybody but to teach faithful men? They got to be here today. They got to be here this day. They got to be here this day. Got to be here this day. But if they're not faithful, forget it. They're not fit for it. They're not ready for it because it takes dedication. It's a commitment. You don't put your hand to the plow and then, oh, I quit. I'm not going to do it anymore. Don't lose your love for the Lord. Don't set that love that you have for God aside. And you keep yourself focused on what God wants you to do. But it takes time and it takes training. Somebody has to teach people how to do these things. I am so thankful that I took the time when I went to Florida Bible College and I watched Ray Stanford do that little wallet thing. Hank Lindstrom watched him do that little wallet thing. And a thousand others watched him do that little wallet thing. And 55 years later, I'm still doing that little wallet thing. And I'm also still teaching other people how to do that little wallet thing. And some of y'all have learned to be some good soul winners because you have learned how to do that little wallet thing. Even though nobody had to tell you, sit down with all seven, seven, and some of y'all can do it. Now, look here in this verse. When he says in verse 2, he says, The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's the will of God. You got, somebody has to teach. Somebody has to learn. A lot of people use the excuse, well, I'm not, I'm not prepared. I'm, I'm not trained. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. Did you know what? And I'm just going to mention this to you. I decided myself to learn how to play harmonica. I can play harmonica. I don't even have to think about it. It's just so natural. It's the easiest thing in the world. Anybody can do that. If you can breathe, you can play a harmonica. It's easy for me because I've been doing it for 60-something years. I decided to learn how to play the guitar. It didn't come natural. I had to work at it. I'm still working at it. I've trained other people. They got better than me, so I quit. No. <laughs> I could go over to that piano, and I can play a couple songs on the piano. But I'm not good, but I'm, I, I know what I'm playing. <laughs> and I can make a joyful noise unto the Lord. may not be that joyful to you, but to the Lord. The Lord says, that sounds pretty good. <clears throat> you just turned me off. <laughs> But you've got to prepare and learn to do something. You say, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. He says, you won't do it. I can't talk to people about the Lord. You can too. He said, you won't do it. You're afraid. Admit it. Me and old Leon Brown, we used to play golf. We'd come to a, a creek down there. So you're going to go for it? No, I'm going to lay up. If you're afeard, say you're afeard. Well, anyway, sometimes we're just afeard. 
and you're afeard. Now look what he says in verse 15. Look at verse 15. Chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Is that the will of God? Yes, that's the will of God. Is that what I want, he wants us to do? Yes, it is. Now look what he says in verse 21. If a man, see that word if? This is the same thing we find over there in the book of uh, Luke. If. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet or fit for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. So what do you got to do? Well, you got to be taught. You got to study. You got to prepare. And some people are not willing to pay the price. Because, you see, when it comes to our salvation, Jesus Christ had to be willing to pay the price. He came into the world to pay the price. And he didn't pay the price by coming into the world. And he didn't pay the price by living a godly life. He paid the price when he died to pay for our sins. The ultimate sacrifice. He paid the price. He sacrificed his life so that we could have eternal life. And then he looks at us and says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love him? He walked in this room right now, and he looked at you eyeball to eyeball. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? He kept telling Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Didn't ask him if you love the sheep. He said, do you love me? You're going to serve the Lord if you love him. And you're not going to serve the Lord if you don't love him. It's just that simple. Look at the, your notes down at the bottom of the page here. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4. Now, I wrote a, a little thing in the middle there. Service to the Lord for the sake of the gospel is an irrevocable trust. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, you need to look at this verse. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. And look in verse 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4. It says, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our heart. God has given you and I this irrevocable trust. He's given to you and I the gospel. He has not rescinded that responsibility. That's what he's done. You and I are responsible, but we may not fulfill our responsibility. And that's one of the reasons why when we get that, we're going to be ashamed that we had not given him more. I could have given him more. When I think about all the places that I've been and opportunities I have, I think I should have done so much more. And sometimes I think I didn't need that little wasted time and that little wasted time and that wasted place. I could have done more. But I don't know anybody that's loved the Lord so much that they given them all. My father-in-law used to tell me a little statement. He says, the world has never seen what God can do through one man totally dedicated to him. And I thought, man, I'd like to be that guy. I'd love to be that guy. But I don't think I'll ever be that guy. I may not shake the world, but I wouldn't mind shaking the man who shakes the world because it might be some little kid in Sunday school or some little kid in Iwana, some kid that goes to ranch, some kid that goes to camp, some kid that comes to college and and just get such a burden he wants to do something for God and not waste his life. So you pray to that end. You want that more than anything else in the world. Look down at the next verse. We won't take our time to look at it. 
in your Bible, but look in your notes here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16 says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. It's like I have to do it. I told him in Sunday school this morning. I said, when I decided I was going to go to Bible college, my father-in-law, he did his best to try to talk me out of doing it. He says, I don't think you ought to go again. I don't think you ought to go. I asked him a couple of years later. I said, why did you try to discourage me? He says, because if you could have kept from doing it, you shouldn't have done it. He said, but if you couldn't keep from going, you needed to go. I went because I had to go. I could not stop. There's things I'd like to do right now. Believe it or not, after all these years that I still struggle with, sometimes I just like to just quit. Just quit. You know, you ever heard of the word retire? Just retire. Just get myself buried on the back side of some mountain there in Alaska, something like that, and just catch salmon all day. You know, just eat the, the good life. Let my wife do all the work, and I just sit there and fish. You know. But I know, I know too much. I, I can't do it. I want to do it. I wouldn't mind taking a vacation every week. Jesse just took a cruise. Did you like it? Loved it. He loved it. See there? Youth pastor took a vacation and went on a cruise. Pastor didn't get to go. I heard about this one preacher. He decided he finally got him an assistant pastor so he could have more time to relax and his assistant pastor do all the work. Next thing you know, somebody bought the assistant pastor four tires for his car. Thanksgiving time, they brought him a Big old turkey. Preacher realized, I didn't need that assistant pastor that bad. <laughs> they, they used to bring them to me. Now they're bringing them to him. If I see y'all bringing the first gift to him and not bringing it to me. I'm joking. I'm joking. So you are not. Yes, I am. Look at the next verse at the bottom of the page here. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Paul says, I made myself a servant. God doesn't make you serve him. God doesn't make you study. God doesn't make you pray. God doesn't make you deny anything. God doesn't make you follow him. He says, if you love me. If you love me. And some people don't love the Lord like they should. But I am not the judge of whether or not what people should do with it. I'm just telling them, these are things that burned into my mind. They burned in my soul. It was like a flame of fire. And it's like you can't stop. You just have to do it. Top of the next page. When you read Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, 7 and 8, got some interesting verses. It says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find ask. Or knock, and it shall be opened unto you. You see, when you want the will of God, then you seek the will of God. And then you knock on what door of opportunity God has for you. When I wanted to start a bus ministry in Colorado, I already had the desire. And I met people, I would talk to them about, we got some children that uh, come to our church, and we'd like to have your children come and ride on our bus. And I'd like to know, and yes, and give me an address. Then I had to find that home. And then when I found that home, I had to knock at the door. And there was a time when I was told to go visiting and knock on doors and see if people trusted Christ as Savior. And I would be so scared to death. You know, and I, they said, always pray. And I'd go to the door and I'd, 
Nobody's home. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. And I realize, you know you're not doing right. And somebody comes to the door. And I'd have to talk to them. But sometimes, you know, you're looking for an open door. See, once you learn what God's Word said, and you know what God wants you to do, and then you look for a, a door of opportunity. But some of you will never get a door of opportunity. Why? Because you're not prepared to take advantage of the opportunity. So I wish I could do something. But you can. Are you prepared to do something? If God opened the door of opportunity, could you take advantage of it? I'd love to. Sometimes to go back and think how much more I could have taken advantage of more opportunities. But the word ask, you see that ask, seek, knock? It's not just asking and forgetting it. It's ask and keep on asking. It's seek and keep seeking. It's knock and keep knocking. A continual thing in your life. Not that I asked one time. No, I've been asking God for the last 57 years, 58 years that I've known Christ as my Savior. And I have been seeking all those years and all this time. And I've been knocking and asking God to open up doors of opportunity. And we've had more opportunities to preach the gospel since I've been here. And I thought to myself, self, you just read a thing about Billy Graham. And Billy Graham going back in all those years and all those great big meetings that he had. And hundreds of thousands of people in some of those big arenas that he had, stadiums, and all over the world. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to have that same kind of an opportunity? And little do you think, and you realize, just because of the radio ministry, how many people I get a chance to talk to every week, and through the YouTube ministry, every Day that it's on there, all over the world. And I think, God, you have richly blessed me. I don't deserve all of that, but you've made it possible. You've opened doors that I didn't even know existed. And it's only because of one thing because I love Him. I fell in love with the Lord. And I don't believe God wants to hide me under a bushel but to put it on a hill so the Son of God can say, you know, there's one that loves me. I want him to be able to look at every one of you in this room. And God says, he loves me. She loves me. He loves me. He loves me. The Bible says when God comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find those that really love him? Love the Lord. Nobody can make you do it. But if you decide to love the Lord... Nobody can stop you. Look down here at this next verse. I've covered this before with you, but I wanted to put it in print. I just like having notes. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable what? Service. You don't do this to be saved. Salvation is free. He did that. He loved us that much that he gave his life. Now he says that you know Christ is your Savior. He said, I want you to love me. Is what he's asking from us, is it too great? Is he stepping out of line? I mean, to demand my life. To want me to do everything for him. 
to live my whole life for Him. I won't get a rerun or an instant replace, but what about what I want? But what if what you want is to serve Him, to please Him? Look at the next verse. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, you put those three words together like that, and it spells G-A-P, gap. God God is looking for a, a man to stand in the gap between him and the world. Will you be that man that God can use? And the Bible says that God is looking for a man, looking through his eyes. Of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for a man to stand between him and the people. A man after God's own heart that God can use to make him strong. That God wants to show how strong he is, but he's got to have a, an object. He's got to have somebody. Will you let me show people how strong God is and how much God loves people? Can I use you? God said, can I use you to show people that? And we're the one that makes that decision. Now, look, I took those two verses, and I put this in here. I put this in that book, The Gospel-Driven Man. If you read the book, you'll see this statement in here. Look at it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, that you might win souls. By the mercies of God, that you might win souls. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, that you might win souls. Holy, that you might win souls. Acceptable unto God, that you might win souls which is your reasonable service, that you might win souls. Be not conformed to this world, that you might win souls. Be ye transformed, that you might win souls. By the renewing of your mind, that you might win souls. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that you might win souls. Do you get the idea? The man in the gap. Now, I want you to look at this verse because this verse is so important. The book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians Chapter 5. Book of Ephesians, chapter 5. And you'll notice something that's very interesting here. He's talking to those who know the Lord. He's talking to you know, God's children. And so when he makes a statement here in verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the what? Let the dead bury the dead. Are you dead? Or are you spiritually alive? Are you God's child, but you're living as a dead man? In other words, making no effect for the things of God. You're not pulling them out of the fire. Are you walking close to the Lord like you ought to? Do you pray what, like you're supposed to? You're dependent upon the Lord. All of the problems that we have are not greater than the problem that the lost man has. Take all of my problems... Take all of your problems, all put together, are not greater than that lost man's problem. When he dies, where does he go? When we die, where do we go? We win. Life is short. And then he says this, and Christ shall give thee light. Light is truth. When you have truth, you can see. Therefore, he says in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be it not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Wake up. Rise from the dead. Lift up your eyes. You realize who you are? Do you understand why you're here? Are you serving the purpose that God intended? 
He walked into this room right now, walked right down this aisle, turned around, and he looked at every one of you. He says, follow me. When do you think he'd want you to start? Right now. Today. You can follow him because of what you know about the word. Follow him. Do what God wants you to do with your life. Commit this day, these moments. Live like a person who has his hope and confidence in the Lord. That's why he talks about it in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. He says, lift up the fallen hands. The countenance. The smile. The hat. Are you down in the mouth all the time? You're always whining and complaining about something. Nothing ever goes right for you. Stop whining. Don't act like a baby. Grow up. You're a child of God. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know where you're going when you die? Don't you think this life that God's given us is the most wonderful thing in all the world? There's no job better than what God has for us. And we get caught up in nothing but swallowing little gnats. Things that don't mount a hill of beans. Don't let the devil get the best of you. Look down at the bottom. I put this in red. As we meditate upon the Lord's sacrifice for our sins, which provided us our free salvation... Do you consider the sacrifice he asks is too great to serve him? Do you think God's asking too much? Is he asking too much of me? When we have communion today, we're supposed to do this in remembrance of of who? Of Christ's sacrifice for us. You picture this and do this in remembrance of him. And in spite of what he's done for us, What are we supposed to, as a child of God who should love their heavenly Father, what does God want us to do? You see, the reason that I mentioned about the Bible college, the college needs financial help. There are certain financial obligations. Do we care enough? Some people can come to church and they'd never give to missions or never give them the Zawana program or the ranch program or give to camp or scholarships, and they just, you know... Nothing matters. I try to give to everything I can, as much as I can, as long as I can. Life is going to be over one of these days, and a dump truck may take more of my car the next time with me in it. And I want to be found faithful, and I want the same thing for you. I don't want us to get to heaven and be ashamed of what we could have done and didn't do. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us, but he hates our sin. A lady came into my office this morning, and I went through the same thing, and I explained it to her. At the first, I asked her, I says, do you know where you go when you die? She says, no, that's not what I'm here to talk about. After I talked to her a little while, I said, now, let's get back to what I think you need. I says, all of your problems is to get you to the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord, I says, I can't solve your problems. I said, now let's start back here. This is you and me. This is sin. We have all sinned and come short of God's perfection. And because we've all sinned, we all have to die to be eternally separated from God. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. None of us are perfect. We're all sinners. But God loves sinners. And he says, we 
can't pay for our sins by good deeds, only by death. This sin represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world. He didn't have any sin. He didn't have to die. But because he loved us and our sins separate us from him, Jesus took all the sin of all the world paid for it on the cross. I said, you don't have to pay for something twice. I said, he paid for our sins and came back from the dead. He said, the only thing he wanted us to do is believe he did it for us. When you believe he did it for you, he puts that payment to your account. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for it. And her eyes got nice and big. She said, I've never heard that before. I've never understood that. I said, have you ever heard John 3.16? She said, no. I've never heard John 3.16. So I got a chance to say, you know, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. The whosoever believeth in him, guaranteed, will not perish. He won't go to hell. But have everlasting life. You get to go to heaven when you die. I says, 10 years from now, if I ask you where you're going to go when you die, what would you tell me? She said, I'm going to heaven. I said, what about 100 years from now? Anyway, she got it. It didn't take long to explain it. And yet the difference is heaven and hell. You say, well, I don't want to offend people. How offended are they going to be when they die and go to hell and knew that you had the answer and you never told them? If you're going to offend them, don't you think it'd be better to do it now? Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here this morning, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I urge you to do so. There's no tricks to it, no gimmicks. I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward or embarrass you in any way. But right where you are, you say, preacher, that made sense to me that Christ died and paid for my sins. And all I have to do is trust him as my Savior. And he'll give me eternal life. And friend, he will. And he'll never cast you out and never lose you. If you will trust Christ as your Savior right now, would you just let me know by slipping your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Yes, God bless you, buddy. Anyone else? Just slip it up, put it right back down. There's no gimmick to it, no tricks. God doesn't give it to you in big print and yank it away in a little print. Salvation, going to heaven, is a gift, and he loves you that much. I want to ask also another question. You that know Christ as your Savior, if I ask you the question... Do you love him? Do you love him? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but just do you love him? Do you love him enough to deny yourself and to take up his cross and follow him? To do, to be whatever God wants you to do and be. That's something between you and him. And I pray that you'll do it. I also want to ask you one question. Will you make praying for Florida Bible College and issue a commitment of yours to pray for the college. Would you slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Yes, God bless you. That's a lot of hands. I pray that you will. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us for this time together. We ask your blessings upon the one indicated by an uplifted hand that they would trust your Savior. That by doing so, you guarantee them eternal life. You'll never cast them out and never lose them. And Father, we also pray for each person here. And Father, I pray that you would bless each one as they realize this is the day that they have. Give you this day. When tomorrow comes, give you that day. We just pray your blessings upon each one, each individual, and that we would put Florida Bible College as a, one of the main ministries of this ministry because that's where we've trained the leaders, those that can make a difference. We thank you for them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.